podcast cafe podcast i'm your host kavya and welcome back for another episode actually episode 24 of the podcast super excited to have you all here and super excited to finally be doing this episode i've been severely looking forward to doing it just with the popularity that the show kind of has and a lot of just the traction it continues to gain week after week after week it has a very big audience i think kind of has the world in a chokehold so I was heavily looking forward to talking about it, and I can't wait to discuss all of my thoughts with this show, about the show with you guys. But before I get into all of that, I want to turn your attention to the lovely follow button that you can see on your screens. Please, please, please go ahead and hit that, and then also turn on the notification bell while you're at it. You will get notified every time I post, which is Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is my time zone. Um, So please do that. That would be amazing. You can also just keep up to date on like everything that I'm doing on this podcast. So that would be awesome. Also check out my bio. There's a link tree with a bunch of links on it. Um, You will get linked to my TikTok, my Instagram, my Twitter, which is a stand Twitter account, but it's great for engagement. Um, I answer all my DMs. So if you have any DMs, like about if you want to DM me about any suggestions you have, or if you want to just chat about anything, everything, either something I've talked about on the podcast or not, that's the entire point of it. That's also the entire point of Stan Twitter. So don't be afraid to reach out and use that. I also have links to other places you can listen to my podcast. And then I have um, my TV time. It's the best way to know with like kind of just what I'm watching in real time. The best way to keep on top of all of that. My letterbox, great thing for movies. Um, Same thing, you can kind of see what I've been watching, what new movies I've seen. And if, of course, you see a movie that I've seen and it's a brand new movie and it's just nowhere to be found on the podcast, don't be afraid to DM me and say, hey, like, I would love to hear your thoughts on the Batman, for example. Um, You know, whatever it may be. And then there's also my Goodreads. Great way to see just kind of what I'm reading in real time, so... All three of those apps are great for my three main sources of, I guess, media consumption. Um, The only one missing is, I guess, music, but I'm not ready to link my Spotify on there. It's just such a mess, but I am in the process of cleaning it up. So once that's cleaned up, it'll also be available there. So you can kind of see, like, what my music taste is like, Um, besides what I've already told you guys, which is a lot of Taylor Swift and Harry Styles. Anyways, now that we've covered my intro, let's move on to today's or this week's um, topic. And of course, if you see the title of this episode, you know exactly what it's about. We are going to be talking about the hit HBO series, Euphoria. So Euphoria has completely taken the world by storm. I don't think anybody anticipated when the show came out for it to be the mass success that it is. I think it's arguably the most popular show today, and I I don't even think anything is close. And the reason I say that with so much confidence is I just, I feel like the show has just become such a staple in pop culture, Um, at least with the younger generation. I think everybody has watched it. Um, It's consistently trending on social media. Each week, the world is in a chokehold. It's trending number one on Twitter. Everything on my timeline is about it. It's all over my TikTok for you page. All of these actors have blown up significantly 
Um, they're all very, very well known. And obviously some of them already came into this well known and some of them didn't, but they're all just huge, huge, huge stars now. And I think this show is just really on the map. Like it consistently is a show that's going to garner a lot of attention. And I think something really interesting with a show like Euphoria is something I've also said in my Stranger Things episode is that there can be these large gaps in between seasons. For example, Stranger Things is currently on year three of a gap and Euphoria also had a three-year gap before season two was released. You know, that's a long period of time to keep people interested and keep people wanting to watch, but it was a very, very, very successful transition into that. Like, people are never tired of it. People will always say, like, oh, I'm kind of over Euphoria, I'm kind of over Stranger Things, like, not really into it anymore, but the second a trailer drops, the second one of the actors posts something in relation to it, the second an episode drops, the world is like gone completely crazy again. So I think this show just has so much power on that front that it doesn't really matter what these gaps are going to be like. Um, I believe this time the gap is only two years. We are, I believe it is confirmed that season three of Euphoria will be premiering in 2024. So that's better. That's way better than 2019 to 2022. Like that was absolutely atrocious. I can't. But anyways, um, I think now that I'm 19, I'm noticing Euphoria's popularity even more than I did when I was 16 and I watched season one. I think that's also because I'm heavily, heavily more intertwined with social media now. Um, I also just use it a lot differently Um, because, of course, I have a podcast and everything as well. But just even on a personal front, I just use it very differently. So I kind of get to see a lot of different aspects to how these shows are marketed and how these shows are produced. And I think, again, another thing about Euphoria, it's very similar to what I've been saying about Stranger Things. So it's going to feel like a little bit of a repeat from that episode a few weeks ago. But I think one of the most astounding things about Euphoria, more than the storyline, more than the plot, is strictly just the filming style. It doesn't really look like anything that we've got on TV right now. Um, Let me think of an example. Um, Okay, uh, this is super random. There's no relevance or no comparison whatsoever. But I just picked a random show off the top of my head. Let's just take Ginny and Georgia, which is a Netflix show. And this is all just on a visual front, by the way. So think about what it looks like visually. And then think about what Euphoria looks like visually. So A24 is the company that kind of is behind Euphoria and they film on a certain like in a certain camera, certain lenses. It looks very different than anything we see. The lighting is all so different and I think I actually wrote a paper on this um a couple years ago for a class and that helped me understand it a lot more. But color is so important um on TV and it's a lot more important than you think it would be. Certain colors and certain hues taking a huge prominence in whatever it may be completely completely can evoke so many different emotions in a person and it's all there on purpose. I think a huge difference people noticed from season one to season two of Euphoria is that the main color scheme of season one was purple. It was purple, a little bit of pink, a little bit of blue, but it was purple. And season two had a very yellow-orange tone. 
um, and that's kind of the filter that was placed on pretty much everything, and I think that's very, very noticeable, and people really take notice of that, and that's to show these two completely different vibes that they wanted these seasons to have. They're very different. They're very, very, very separate, so I think the filming style, the use of color palettes, and the importance placed on that, um, the soundtrack, because amazing soundtrack, every song that plays in these different scenes all feel very perfect for the scene, and as much as people kind of laugh at the dialogue in Euphoria sometimes, because some of it can be a little bit cringy, some of it can be a little bit unrealistic, people are like, nobody actually talks like this in high school, but I think the dialogue is kind of also what sets it apart, it makes it very quotable. Um, I can name 15 TikTok trends off the top of my head that have been viral um, over the last couple months, and they've all been Euphoria lines. They've all been little bits from Euphoria, um, just things like that. I think from season one, there's only one trend that like really, or like one line that really sticks out in my head, as in blowing up on social media, which was, of course, Maddie at the chili cook-off carnival thing when she was like not supposed to be here because I'm dressed like a hooker and none of you like me that line um but I think this season really 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 got big with the lines I think Cassie had a huge amount of just the lines that you know really really went viral oh and I thought of another one from season one actually which was the um I don't really give a fuck and Nate's like yeah I gathered that that one was also from season one I forgot about that but anyways, I think there's just so many, especially with Cassie's breakdowns and Cassie yelling, never, ever been happier. Like, th those were just big things. Um, and yeah, I think it's just that dialogue really, really sets it apart and makes it different because everyone's like, oh, this is funny. This is this. This can mean this. We can make a trend out of it. And I think the writers do know that because it's very, very clever to structure the lines the way they do because they know some of it is very meme-worthy, quote-unquote meme-worthy, very cringy almost. Um, and yeah, so it's it's big. It goes very big with these lines and all this different stuff. Another thing, the wardrobe. None of these people really dress like how high schoolers are supposed to dress, but it's not necessarily unrealistic in the way that, uh, let me think of another one, that... Riverdale is unrealistic with its clothing um and Riverdale of course there are people that dress like that somewhere I've personally never run into anyone that wore these collar sh shirts with the sweater on top and a ponytail every day like Betty or these really nice collared tops with these like plaid skirts like Veronica wears I've never really met anyone like that so it wasn't necessarily unrealistic like that it's more unrealistic in the way where it's so out there that it's almost like you're watching something from another universe and it's just suddenly like, okay, whatever. That doesn't make any sense. I think Rue definitely has the closest style to actual high schoolers. Very much just baggy shorts, jacket, um, graphic tee, hair in like a half up, half down messy bun like whatever it may be um so for the most part none of these characters really dress in a way that's like realistic and I guess the guys like Nate dresses like whatever but it's a guy so it doesn't really it's a huge difference like Cassie Maddie Kat these wardrobes aren't the most common wardrobes that you see in school so it's another thing is the clothing the hairstyles the makeup it's all so out there 
Um, and of course, HBO has a huge budget, so you can tell the production quality is just top-notch. They put a lot of money into Euphoria. Wealth is so, so prominent and so displayed when you just watch these episodes and just the quality of them. Um, I also think that Euphoria is a little bit different, where it doesn't necessarily follow a story the way Gossip Girl might have followed a story and kind of just went this to this to this to this. Um, it kind of overlaps a lot. Um, the story doesn't always progress monumental, like in monumental proportions every single episode. It kind of moves slowly sometimes, and sometimes there's scenes where it's a 10-minute scene of two people just talking. And I think that's so important because this show is supposed to be deeper. Um, it's not always 100% about the drama factor. It's about addressing these issues. And I think that's also another thing that's very, very, very important about this show um, and the importance they place on some of those other topics and some of those things they're like, we need to sit down and just address this. It's like you're sitting in a therapy session between two people and just listening to a 10-minute conversation and it's necessary. And a lot happens every Euphoria episode. Sometimes you walk out of an episode and you're like, you're, like literally nothing happened and then so much happens in the span of five minutes. It's absolutely insane. So I think all of those things put together make Euphoria so successful and I think another thing is that it's edgy. And especially with even younger people I've seen um, find themselves edgy for watching Euphoria. So I think that's another thing. People like who are very, very young and watch Euphoria, they think they're cool, they think they're edgy, kind of helps make it more popular. And of course, the cast, they're all very attractive and they're all very popular. Like, that's, it's as simple as that. I mean, Zendaya's in your cast. You know, I think most of the cast is quite recognizable, you know, Zendaya, uh, Hunter Schaefer, Jacob Elordi, Sydney Sweeney, Alexa Demi, like these are all pretty recognizable people, especially after Euphoria season one for some of them, but they definitely have recognizable names now, you know, um, so I think that just consistently draws in a very, very big audience. So yeah. Okay, so now for an actual shift, um, I'm going to quickly be I guess, going over the different characters' plots and arcs this season and kind of giving my thoughts. So I'm going to start with, obviously, Rue. So Rue, um, okay. So obviously Rue's the main character. I think we kind of went all over the place with Rue um, this season. It did not feel as structured as it did last season. Last season, it was very, like, obvious circle of events and everything that was happening to Rue made a lot of sense. It was very much like you were following this cycle and this pattern and you were just going kind of chronologically through whatever she's dealing with and her addiction. And this season, we're kind of given a lot of aftermath, a little bit of relapse back and forth between being sober, not being sober, um, just lashing out at her mother, fights with Jules, going off the deep end a bit. But the most beautiful thing is that we end in a really pretty good place for Rue. Um, so I think Rue, despite having certain moments this season where I literally wanted to pull my hair out, had a very, very satisfying story this season and probably one of the most satisfying arcs. Um, I was very happy with where she ended up and everything that happened with her. So, 
that is all so great and I'm very happy she ended in a good place and I'm glad that her and Lexi were able to I guess come together and you know find that friendship again so I think that's awesome but yeah anyways so that is Rue and then we have Jules. Um, so Jules was a huge, huge, huge character in season one. Very prominent. A very, very big part of the storyline. But this season, she was pushed to the back a lot. Um, I think her main storyline this season obviously revolved around Rue and Elliot. Um, we see a lot of relationship drama between Rue and Jules. I think one of the most heartbreaking moments with Jules for me this season was in the first episode of season two when Rue and Jules are talking and, you know, about being sober or whatever, and Jules asks Rue when she relapsed, and Jules says, or Rue says, the day you left, which is so difficult because if you watch Jules' special episode... Um, you know just how difficult that was because she felt very trapped in that relationship and as if she if she would leave, something bad would happen to Rue. So it's it's very, very hard for her to hear that and I can understand all of those layers. Um, so it's really difficult. Um, but I, she was really pushed to the back this season. They had her cheating on Rue or whatever with Elliot. It was weird. They were, all three of them were, like, doing something weird. Um, she got the tape back from Nate, and that's really pretty much it. We got these amazing glimpses of this potential friendship between Jules and Maddie, but it was totally just thrown away after episode three. Like, they went bowling, they were jumping around, they had this really nice heart-to-heart outside the place about Nate, and then that's it. Like, where did it go? What, what what the fuck are the writers doing? Like, this is what I want to see. But it is what it is, I guess. <laughs> so that was Jules. Very, very upset that she was pushed to the side, though, because I absolutely loved her character and still do. But I wish we got to actually see more of her because I find her arcs to be some of the most interesting. Okay, so now let's talk about Cassie Howard. So... Cassie was my favorite character in season one, um, mostly because I found a lot of, I guess, relatability about her. I found her to be a very relatable character. Um, I loved all the aspects of her, and I also think that Sydney Sweeney is, like, the best the best actress on the show, or at least one of the best, um, so I consistently find her to be one of the most enthralling people to watch. I always love her storylines, and even though Cassie kind of, you know, did her shit this season, um, she was still one of the most interesting characters to watch. I still consistently wanted to see what was up with Cassie's storyline, what was up with Cassie, and I think that's what really matters, and for everyone shitting on Cassie, like, all over the internet, like, come on, that's still the character y'all are dying to see all the time. Um, But granted, of course, what Cassie did was very, very, very messed up, very messed up, and very wrong, and I think one of the most interesting things about it is this is euphoria. This show is not a teen drama. We are not watching One Tree Hill. We are not watching The O.C. This show is supposed to be a lot deeper. There's supposed to be a lot more going on. These characters have a lot more layers. Cassie doing this is not supposed to be just about Nate and Maddie. 
And yes, that's exactly how it's portrayed as right now. And it's fucked up regardless. Like, what she did was fucked up. But there's more to it. And that is what I'm most excited to see. Because the show does such a great job with diving into these storylines. And giving these characters these backstories and these explanations for their actions. Why they act the way they do. Something is seriously wrong with Cassie. And I'm, like, very, very intrigued to see what direction they go with her next because clearly even at the end of season two she is not okay she has not had a complete arc yet she's not fine you know like at all so I'm I'm very very curious to see what they do with that um and just see the direction they decide to go but anyways that's Cassie so let's talk about her best friend Maddie So Maddie again was also one of my favorite characters in season one and still was in season two but I think we can all acknowledge the fact that Maddie was also very pushed to the side. She just like Jules, she did not have a prominent storyline this season. All of her storylines revolved around someone else, um, such as Cassie, Nate, um, Minka Kelly's character's name, whatever her name was, Samantha, I think. Um, but anyways, she kind of had storylines revolving around others. She didn't really have an arc to herself, which was upsetting. But let's kind of just go over those few things. So, of course, the main one of the main storylines this season was the Nate-Cassie-Maddie drama. So, that was a big one. She only finds out past mid-season about this in the first place. But, you know, she has her suspicions and all these weird things. She's having this dilemma going back and forth with wanting to be with Nate. But also realizing that he's toxic and not good for her at all. Or not good for anybody, actually. But, you know... Um, and then we have this giant climax point where Nate is literally holding Maddie at gunpoint for the tape of Jules and his dad, which was absolutely insane. Like, imagine the amount of trauma that would come from that, and it's just not really been talked about or explored much. Like, Maddie is just sitting at the play in the next episode, and of course, like, I'm not saying she wouldn't, but, like, it's just barely been addressed like at all like that is so scary not only like he held it to literally to her and then he held it to himself like that is so terrifying I cannot like I can't even process but that is absolutely insane oh my gosh and then another storyline with Maddie that they completely grazed over is that her relationship with this woman, Minga Kelly's character, I think Samantha, is so inappropriate. Um, and I mean, there are certain aspects of it that are like, fine, when they had that one conversation in the um, hot tub, or like, not the hot tub, sorry, the pool in episode six, I want to say, it was very much like an advice giving session. It was very much like, okay, let me tell you about this oh, let me get you to kind of see the other side. And the other side of it, not as in the other side is justifiable, but, you know, kind of saying, I was the other side of it. And look at me now. Like, I'm just, I'm existing. I'm married. I'm this. You know, life moves on, I guess you could say. Um, But yeah, so there was that. But then there were certain scenes that were just not it. Um, I think, obviously, she asked her to unzip her dress, which could be fine, but it's like, you barely know this woman, like, at all. And it's not even like they made it a very casual scene. They put these undertones in it. They put this music. They, like, they had this hesitation. That's all very suspicious. Like, that's not normal, which is what makes it a little bit, like, what's going on? Like, what is this? What am I witnessing here? 
Um, and that's what makes it weird, you know? So I hope they address it. And of course, oh my gosh, when Maddie is trying on all the clothes in Samantha's closet, they literally zoom in on the time and there is literally a camera. Why is none of this being addressed? I mean, maybe it'll be addressed in season three, but at least a little bit in season two so we can at least know you're thinking about it. I don't know. Moving on, we have Nate. Fuck Nate. I mean, that's kind of always stayed a constant. This man is a freak, and he's still a freak. Like, what the hell is wrong with this man? There's literally no redeemable qualities about him. He had this weird turnaround after seeing the play and being like, that shit was so homophobic. After being homophobic for how long? Um, But regardless, it, it was so odd. Everything that Nate was kind of going through was weird. Um, I'm happy they addressed a lot of his issues with anger and where a lot of that stems from. I think Jacob Elordi is an incredible actor, and I think regardless of anything else, he has to kind of get that credit. Um, he does a great job of portraying this character. He's so scary. I think obviously one of his worst points was with Maddie this season with the gun, but everything he did this season, he is so manipulative to literally everyone. Um, but I'm happy they kind of cut this storyline loose with Cal and everyone and kind of letting all of that go. So I'm interested to see where Nate goes next and what happens next with him um, and just kind of see where that goes. So I don't know. That's all I have to say about him. It's fuck Nate. It's always been fuck Nate. Moving on, we have Fez. I absolutely fucking love Fez. We end in a really scary place with Fez, which is, of course him bleeding on the floor. So we have two options here. Um, Some people are like, okay, either Fez is literally going to die, which is not going to happen, but either Fez is just going to bleed to death or something, or he's going to go to jail for a murder he didn't commit. So those are two terrible options, but of course, I'd rather the jail option, of course. Um, So Fez got a lot more of a prominent role this season, which was great. So he's one of the characters that took the flip side of it, where he had a small role last season, and he had a big role this season. Starting off right with episode one, we're finally given the Fez backstory. Finally, finally, finally. Um, We're given the Fez backstory. We're actually progressing somewhere um, with his character. He has his whole storyline of his own with the drugs and everything and intertwined with Rue owing that money to Lori and all this different stuff going on, which that's another thing that's not being addressed anymore. Rue and the money, like what's happening with that? Are we going to talk about it ever again? Or is that just going to be another thing that we just don't talk about? But regardless... Fez, um, you know, everything that happened with him this season was, it was great, great, great to see his character get some more depth. Of course, him and Lexi kind of have this romantic, they're not in a relationship like at all, but they kind of have these flirtations and they're definitely both into each other, which is so lovely, endearing, sweet, amazing to watch that blossom. Um, They're two of my favorite characters, so just seeing that, it's so lovely. I think Fez and Lexi are so different, um, and I think Fez obviously cares about Lexi a lot and he's very careful about how much he wants to drag Lexi into this life of being literally a drug dealer and being involved in that business and of course Lexi is this straight A straight A um you know good girl type person so they're very different and I think that's their kind of their differences it they it really complements the other person and of course the stand by me scene um where they're watching that movie and they're singing and he holds her hand like that is adorable and everything in the first couple episodes when he told her that 
talking to her was the best part of his whole night at the New Year's party and all this different stuff. It was adorable. And I think they kind of dropped the Fez Lexi thing, like, <laughs> a lot after the first couple episodes. And we only really got glimpses of it after that, which was so disappointing. But I hope season three will expand on that more um, because I just want to see more of that. So now let's talk about, go right into Lexi Howard. So just like Fez, she's a character that was kind of a side character in season one, but heavily stepped up this season and we got to see a lot more of her. Obviously, I think one of the most interesting parts of the season is that Lexi literally took the drama of all of these people around her and the lives of all of those around her and turned it into a play. And the last two episodes were act one and act two of her play. And basically all of these people are confronted with what's been going on with them and they're all forced to have these internal... I guess, evaluations and evaluate where they are, what they've done, all of this different stuff. So I think that that's incredible. I think Lexi is fucking amazing and so talented and brilliant for everything that she did in that, I guess, segment and putting on that play and everything of that nature. So I'm so, 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 so glad that they did that. Um, with her character, and we actually got to see a lot more of her. So I really appreciated her arc. She didn't just feel like Cassie's sister or Rue's friend. I'm also really happy they repaired this relationship between Rue and Lexi, and we end in a really, really good place with them. That was also so sweet to watch. Of course, I already talked about Fez and Lexi and the friendship, flirtationship, whatever that they're forming. Very sweet, very cute. I love it. Okay. Let's talk about Cal. I don't have much to say about this man. I just know it's important to address it. So Cal was given a backstory literally before Lexi. Whatever, I'm not going to complain. I am going to complain, actually. Why the hell did Cal get a backstory before Lexi? It's fine. (laughs) Um, So we're given a Cal backstory, him and his love story with this guy Derek when he was younger. Um, Obviously, we all know Cal is gay, but we're kind of given this glimpse as to what it was like when he was younger and who he was, like, who he really was, and who Derek was, um, and then Cal goes through just the, a bunch of different things mentally this season, and he ends up coming out to his family, and of course leaving them, um, in episode five, I want to say, and maybe it was four, four or five, I think it was five, um, but all of that ends up happening, he ends up confronting his sexuality and his family, coming out to them, leaving, all that different stuff, It was very much a good riddance moment. Obviously, I know it can be very difficult to, um, you know, it's obviously going to be so difficult for him to come out to a family that's already been established and stuff, but the family is so fucked up to begin with. Um, So, you know, he leaves. By the way, third sibling still hasn't been addressed. It's fine. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see where they go with that next. I don't want to see that much of Cal anymore. Um but I know we probably will have to. But him leaving also does a great thing for Nate's character and for Nate to be able to address a lot of the things going on with him, um, being able to address that aggressiveness and see where that really comes from, which I think is important. So now for Kat. Kat, there isn't much to say. She was so heavily pushed to the background this season. She didn't do much at all. She had this drama with Ethan. So let's just talk about Ethan at the same time because I can basically knock them both out in one. They had this little relationship drama and that was pretty much it. Kat was like, I have a brain like illness or whatever it was. 
terminal brain illness and like brain disease and I was like hello and like that was it I didn't see much of her which is upsetting and here's the thing I was never that big of a fan of Kat um in season one and I don't think anybody was but this season people were suddenly like we want to see more of Kat so Ethan was a total star in that play though so love Ethan he deserves better and then Elliot so Elliot was one of our new characters this season um he kind of annoyed me even though I do like Dominic Fike and all that stuff. His character annoyed me. And his song in the finale that lasted way too long was so unnecessary. Like, please stop. Why are you doing that? Like, oh my god. I think Elliot just caused a lot more drama and pain than he caused any kind of happiness. So I found him to be rather annoying. And then we have Faye. And Faye was also one of our new characters this season. And I didn't really care for Faye as much in the beginning. I thought she was odd, but by the end, I was like, okay, Faye's kind of a real one. That's all I really have to say about Faye, because she's not really given, like, a backstory or a huge prominent role, um, but she was a big supporting role this season, so I wouldn't be surprised to kind of see her step up next season. And the last two characters we're going to talk about is Leslie and Gia, who is, of course, Rue's mom and Rue's sister, and they both had pretty big storylines this season, um, just in relationship to Rue I think both of these actresses were able to really shine this season with the content they were given. Um, it was big. It was a huge storyline. I think a lot of their mental struggle with trying to be there for Rue, but trying to be there for themselves and each other was just, it was so heartbreaking and so difficult to watch, but so important and so elegantly placed. And I think one of the best things about Euphoria is they don't just focus on the person that is dealing with the addiction they deal with the people around them and how important that is. It's so important to portray these things because not only are you portraying to your audience like, okay, if you get addicted, it's bad for you. It's harmful to the people around you. You're hurting those around you. You are destroying their mental health. You're hurting them, you know? And it, and, sometimes, and you don't even realize it. It's not Rue's fault, you know? Rue's in a really bad place, but so is Leslie and Gia. And those are so important to kind of deal with all aspects of that well kind of that circle and make it a very well-rounded thing and I think that's one of the best parts about euphoria and I think something that not a lot of people understand about the show and the reason I think young people shouldn't watch it is you don't understand the bigger point of it everyone's main focus is Nate Cassie Maddie quote-unquote love triangle this is not a love triangle all three of these people Nate Cassie and Maddie are all damaged people this is not a love triangle this is not Lucas Brooke and Peyton this is not Nate, Serena, and Blair. This is not Dawson, Joey, Pacey. Like, these are just three individuals who are severely, severely destroyed and damaged. You know, every single character on the show is so damaged and has a lot of deeper things going on. And the point of the show isn't necessarily just to continuously fulfill that drama factor, which is one of the things that pissed me off is I would see people do reviews of each episode. And they'd be like, Show me more of the Nate, Cassie, Maddie stuff. Why'd they have to focus on Rue after Maddie was like, you dumb fucking bitch. I'm gonna, like, that scene. They're like, why do we have to run after Rue? Like, why couldn't we go see what was up with them? I want to see more of that. I want to see Maddie beat up Cassie. That literally shows that the show is not for you. Like, go watch One Tree Hill. If you want to see Brooke and Peyton fight over Lucas, go watch that. Like, don't watch Euphoria. The point of the show is that every single character is battling an addiction. And Rue is kind of the obvious addiction of, like, drugs. But every single character is fighting an addiction. 
like Nate's addiction to power and Cassie's addiction to love and validation. Every single one of these characters has an addiction and it needs to be recognized as an addiction to be treated and to be helped. They're all chasing the idea of something euphoric and it's falling short and they have to hit rock bottom and they have to hurt every single person around them to get better. Rue had to hurt every single person around her before she could be with just where she was at the end of the season. All of that needs to happen. Cassie needs to hit rock bottom before she can kind of make amends. Nate, Maddie, Kat, Fez, Jules, all of these characters need to hit rock bottom to completely overcome whatever it is they're dealing with. Because that's the point of this show. It's a lot deeper. This show is about addiction. It's about mental health. It's about addressing these issues. It's not just, it's not a teen drama. It's not the OC, you know? Like, that is something that really needs to be understood. This is not 90210. This is euphoria. You know, these characters are battling real things and these addictions. And that's the point of the show. It's deeper than that. It's supposed to be addressing these really important issues. The season as a whole, for me, just didn't do it the way season one did. Um, I think season two had a really strong start. And for the first three or four episodes... Maybe not four, maybe the first three episodes. I think I could confidently say that I was very much like, yeah, this season is better than season one. I'm heavily enjoying all of these episodes. But then after that, I think the show um, kind of lost its focus a little bit. I don't think there was like a main prevalent storyline that was kind of carrying the season and there wasn't one big arc versus season one definitely felt that way. I think Euphoria could have really thrived as a limited series. I think if it ended after season one, maybe if the finale was tweaked a little bit to kind of give rue a little bit more of a full circle ending i think season one could have definitely been the end i think it could have been a limited series don't think season two lived up to season one even a little bit which is upsetting but it is what it is but yeah i think that essentially brings us to the end i don't think i had anything else i wanted to discuss i think i kind of fit it all in and fit in all of my opinions on these characters these plots euphoria as a whole but wow this show is something else um obviously it's very important for me to discuss this on the podcast because the show is so popular you know it's important to discuss the impact and what these storylines really mean but yeah i mean obviously i enjoyed really really enjoyed talking about it i was really looking forward to sunday each sunday to watch a new episode of euphoria i mean i love interacting with everybody on the internet about it (laughs) talking to my friends about it um, you know, at school, at rehearsal, at all this good stuff when I'm hanging out with them. But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed hearing my thoughts on Euphoria Season 2. Um, once again, please go check out that bio, that link tree, and also hit the follow button. Turn on the notification bell. That would be amazing. It helps support the podcast. That would mean the world to me. And yeah, thanks again for listening. And until next time, bye!